Hi, and welcome to the Flow Artist Podcast. This week we're talking to Helly Hoops, who is one of my personal hula hoop heroes, not just for her technical prowess, but also her thoughtful online presence and her ability to bring a sense of narrative and social commentary into her performances and videos, which is no small feat when you're spinning a plastic circle. We learn about Helly's background in art and activism, how she discovered hooping and how she's grown as a performer, including a deeper level of understanding of herself. We also talk about social media and how it can trigger insecurities and self-doubt and how she's learnt to navigate this. Helly also fills us in on her upcoming Performers Without Borders tour and as always, stick around for our picks of the week. Here with Helly this morning and you're a professional hula hooper which is a pretty unusual and awesome career. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your background and how you found your way to hooping? Mm. Thanks Jo. Um... Yeah, it still feels um, kind of surprising to call myself a professional hula hooper, but now it feels a lot more comfortable because um, I've lot I've got a lot more like evidence. I've done some cool stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I started. Um, someone gave me a hula hoop, my best friend at the time in um, in Sydney, and uh, she went overseas uh, for a bunch of time over the Christmas period and I just decided that in every uni break I would learn something so once one time I went to South America and I learned Spanish and another time I think I did something else I went to Vietnam and um, that year I decided to learn how to hula hoop and um, I just remember like just getting waist hooping and I was so stoked that I could get waist hooping like I was I because I I had the thought like, oh, like I'm not really into circus, like, you know, I'm not really into like that kind of like freaky stuff. Like I'm, I'm not, I don't really know many like people from that world. It's kind of freaky. And then, so I started getting good at waist hooping and um, I kind of did it for like two hours a day to begin with because I was so obsessed with it. And I it was the first like sport that I'd done that... Um, didn't require competition. Yes. Yeah. And I was so impressed because I was playing netball at the time, but you know, that's quite hard on the body. And so, you know, I found this thing and that I could go and do by myself and I could still have a lot of fun. And, um, I remember looking at like videos of, uh, other hula hoopers, mainly from the States. There was like, it's like Emma Kenna, Tiana, Zuma, Brecken Rivara. And I was like, Oh, <gasps> wow, like I'll never be that cool, but I'll just keep trying. And um, so that's how it started. And and it was also um, a, quite a healing process for me to kind of have this like expressive outlet um, when I was getting too in my head. It just put me right back in my body. And um, pretty soon, like maybe like a few months to a year in after that, I started doofing and going to all these epic parties. And then because I was enjoying myself so much, people offered me paid work out of it and like so they just saw you rocking it out on the dance floor and said we want you up on stage yeah yeah and I also got like my first corporate gig out of um burning seed four years ago great yeah totally <laughs> and so you know it happened very organically and I never thought I could make a career out of it I, you know I thought that I could try and that I, I might be able to do some cool stuff just like in my living room or like maybe I could make a video and share that but I never thought that I would transform into this like epic performer lifestyle you know yeah yeah um yeah 
I might wind back a little bit. Mm -hmm. What were you studying at uni and what was your life like before you discovered hooping? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, good question. I was was doing a double degree of uh, fine arts and environmental humanities. So it was like split between two campuses. It was a pretty interesting degree to have like environmental science, um, you know, and I was learning about climate change and like all this really big stuff. And then I went to the art campus and I was doing um, printmaking and performance art. I started printmaking as well. Yeah, yeah. Pretty epic. Um, and I, but I also had this like fidgety feeling that like that wasn't it. Like I couldn't quite express myself fully just through these like etchings or drawings anymore. And I wanted it to be bigger. Um, and I also had this like real sense of wanting to do something about what I was learning about in my, the environmental science part of my degree. So pretty soon after I started hula hooping that next year, um, I actually just, uh, took a half a year off of my degree and I, I moved to a a blockade camp. Oh, wow. Yeah. In the States, New South Wales, Northwest. And it was, um. It's called the Lead Blockade, and um, yeah, I basically lived with a bunch of activists. Um, so was this about fracking, or that was about an open pit coal mine? Oh right. Yeah, and the uh, the new it was a, it was about a new open pit coal mine, and um, that was going to level this like tier one biodiversity forest, and there was um, a lot of people that were against it from different parts of the community. Um, from local mob to farmers and ecologists. And it was like, it was just such an epic campaign to be a part of. And it was like, yeah, it was just, it threw me into this like deep end of um, testing myself and being, um, yeah, like, what are you capable of? Because I, you know, I was just like this uni student who was like, I just want to help. Yeah, yeah. Mm. You know, and I went there and then I had this incredible, I guess, like growth period where I got trained up in media um, how to write press releases, like how to, you know, strategize social media by all these epic journalists, actually, who were wow. then working for Greenpeace and like uh, Lock the Gate, another not-for-profit. And um, uh, yeah, and I, I worked with a bunch of people and um, I basically just had a lot of practice in like creating and generating media that got a lot of it got released. And um, there was something in that that, uh, I think has made other things a little bit easier. And, and, you know, it was environmental activism campaigning is it's really heady and it's really full on and it can be quite damaging to the soul. Yeah. You're time. up against such a massive totally. machine. Yeah. 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 And it was just, it was totally life changing. And, um, a lot of people, you know, like really not okay after that campaign, you know, because we ended up losing, there was like four or 500 people arrested there, um, but they ended up bulldozing the forest and building this coal mine. Oh, how soul destroying. Yeah. Mm. And after that, I was just like, I'm just going to walk away from this and I'm going to focus on something where I can really generate change in a different way. And um, so that for me looked like just focusing all my energy and attention into um, hula hooping and circus performing and teaching. And what I considered to be just a different form of activism, which is just creating like positive change and wellness in the immediate interactions that I have with people and, and children and also with myself. And I, I just know that that was a really 
wise decision to make because I feel really healthy now. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I think yeah. it's really powerful. Um, I felt this myself with hooping. There's this real sense of like you celebrating yourself and the uniqueness of your body. And it's all about movement feels good. Yeah. Like, when I was studying art, I did like a lot of work on media and body image mm. and it feels like through what I'm doing now, you can kind of speak directly to people about that stuff and focus on the positive aspect of it rather than just being like, oh, the world is crap. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I should mention as well, like, yeah, when I was a teenager, 19 to 20 were like the worst years of my life, hectic issues with food and like depression. And so ho- hooping for me was like a real way out of that and like I, learning how to feel good in your body again yeah and learning how to create a relationship with food where i wasn't feeling guilty you know and or wasn't like you know super disordered and yeah and, and like that's been a part a big part of the journey i think of like p- like personal discovery and like you say it's kind of like an expression of what you've learned and the journey that you've been on through what you're doing now yeah i really feel that and it but it also for me i was like had this sense of like, oh, I need to like tell everyone or share everyone. Like, this is what I'm about. And then I have felt more relaxed in the last year also because I just feel like "Eh, it's okay. Like, that's all part of it. Like, you bring that with you on your train. I guess as well, if you've had the early times of being very vocal and Mm. sharing a lot, you're kind of like, yep, I've said that stuff. Like, now I can just, you know. Yeah. And it feels like consistent and also what my life looks like now and how what the work that I'm generating, I just feel a lot better about it, you know, like it. And I, and I also just even recently have figured out that I've got less to prove. Yeah, you know? totally. Yeah. And I, and yeah. I, and I had so much to prove and I, you know, like I was just like wanting to like rip off these shackles and chains and be like, I can do it. Like I'm going to prove it to you. Like I'm going to prove it to everyone. Like despite everything, I'm going to do this and I'm going to be this like crazy hula hooper. And now, now I'm like doing it and I'm still doing it. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I'm doing it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Cool. I'm there. I'm there. I'm yeah. There. It's happening. <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, you've kind of gone into this a little bit, but is there like a particular something that the movement style of hooping did for you that other types of movement or physical activity can't or don't? In hooping, I found this extraordinary ability to drop into flow. And I don't, I didn't even know what flow was before I started hula hooping, you know, like I, I guess I, I've been in it before cause I've tapped into it like solo bushwalking, you know, I did a lot of like a lot of spending time by myself over the last decade. Um, and a lot of like doing things and like being in nature by myself. So I knew, I knew that there was a feeling of just being like kind of like a pure bliss, but I didn't really have words for it. And, um, hooping as well as just this, like motion where I guess dancing you know it gave me access to dance again yeah and also it gave me um permission to move my body in a way that I'd formerly felt too embarrassed about you know like or like sticking my shoulder out that direction or even you know just like pushing my belly out that direction and like for me like these were areas like especially like body um tummy belly these were all areas that I just used to like hunch over and protect you know and that that kind of like like protective bodily hunch and like very tense and I found it entertaining that like as part of hooping that was something that I like actually actively had to activate and push into and like and then I found like I just thought it was so cool that like if you just did one thing enough 
you could learn it and then you could play with speed. Yes. Then yeah. it's just in your body. Yeah. yeah. And then you just it's just like this playground of just like this access to freedom of this incredible detailed movement that you just have fun with. And so I've I'd never seen that um I'd never seen that just in like a sport and I'd never had that movement in my body um, aside from maybe doing like tumble tots when I was a four year old and I really liked flipping <laughs> over and stuff, yeah, you know, yeah. and having that kind of like joyful bodily freedom. Yeah. Like hooping gave me an access to that. And I also found that like with the, the technicality of the movement, I had this like almost this structure, you know, cause like the hoop is a certain size and your body's this certain size. You just have to figure out how to express whatever speed or like motion you want to. Uh, and you have to get like quite good at that. Yeah, there's like a geometry and physics aspect to it as well. Totally, totally. And there's something about like the, how I found that I can inhabit that like weird geometrical pattern of movement that I felt like, uh, the word with hooping mainly, it's like satisfied. Yes. You know, it's like satisfying to kind of like, I I, I basically, this is going to sound a bit strange. I basically have, I feel like I've been finally able to express like how, cool I feel on the inside yeah like and that like, totally oh. shows in your performance like <laughs> yeah, <thank laughs> you're you. a superstar <laughs> thanks Joe. yeah yeah and it like but I never thought that well I always wanted people like I imagined the reaction that people would say when they saw me on stage from the for pretty much from the get-go and I like I know that sounds strange but I really feel like that's been a huge part in like creating this, the style and the true expression of how I want to be received. And it's not just like, look at me, but it kind of is as well. I totally Well, you're on stage. Yeah. performing. I'm yeah. like, watch me. I've been practicing. Let me, I'm here to entertain you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I remember like from the get-go, I was like, I, I didn't want people to be like, oh, that's cool. Or like, oh, she's, you know, that's really skillful. I always wanted people to be like, yes yeah what what is that i've never seen that oh my have you what is she doing and like um just in the last year after doing a few performances i had a few people you know say that to me and i was like thank you because that like they were like thank you thank you and i was trying to say back to them like no this is what I've this been, is what i've been working yeah, for yeah, yeah totally yeah. like this this like reception and to really be seen yeah that's fantastic. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess it brings us on to our next question. Like, um, one thing I've noticed as a, a sort of outsider is that the hooping community does seem to be quite supportive. Um, perhaps you'd like to speak about that. Mm. Yeah, that that's a really good question. Um, because just as much as the movement is unique and really just, it's it's like there for me, you know. Like the it's uh, I feel the same way about the hoop community. Um. And I, I don't think I even really spoke much about the word community before I became a hula hooper. And I definitely didn't get in it just for the community. You know, like that's been this like added bonus that's just opened up all these friendships and connections from people all over the world. Um, and the support and the generosity of people has just blown me away. Um, you know, like I went to a couple of conventions overseas and I met you know, other hula hoopers who run other conventions. And then, you know, like I got to teach at, um, swoop in the UK and, um, yeah, like I got to through out of that, I auditioned for electric forest in the States and I got to do that. And like, um, yeah, like I, I feel like 
what I expected to encounter was what I what I had been taught, which is that like girls compete with one another. Mm. Like pretty girls don't like me, and pretty girls like were mean to me. You know, because that's what my experience in school was. Um, so that was the story I was running, and um, what I found is that not only is that not the case at all in the hoop world that I've encountered anyway. Um, but that those conversations are actively put on the table when people get together from around the world. So the last time um, I was at a, an overseas retreat, there was this epic conversation happening around people who were just being honest with one another about like, I judged you because you're pretty and you're really famous on Instagram. And then this person got to say like, really? Cause I feel like this about my body and like, I get so much abuse online. So I get, you know what I mean? So like, it's, it's, this like epic dynamic um, c- community and network of people that are so intelligent actually. Mm-hmm. And um, in that intelligence is like, I feel like a real appreciation for the craft. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And just a joy of sharing it. Mm-hmm. Like it seems like if someone does something amazing on Instagram, like I know you've done this and posted videos mm. and someone else will be like, how did you just do that? There's no like, Oh, this is my secret move that I'm keeping for myself. It's like, a sharing of the joy and it's like oh I do this thing and then I put my hand here and make sure you kind of stick your shoulder out at that point like totally totally absolutely and that was something I even talked about last night because what I love about Instagram is that um you know there is no like written etiquette for like seeing a move and then copying it or, or you know incorporating it into your flow um, but I always try to like actively acknowledge, Hey, I learned this from like totally Taylor flows. Yeah. 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 And, um, last night, um, I often acknowledge like Jennifer Dennehy, who's one of my, um, like current hoop crushes in the States. Um, I'm like, oh, I got this move from her and you know, like, um, and last night she tagged me in one of her videos and it's just this really lovely feeling mm-hmm. that like. These, you know, these, this movement is just being shared around the world with like a nod and a wink to where you saw it. But it's like, it's not the point, you know, it's like, it's not like full credit goes to, but it's like, it's just nice, you know, it's so nice that people can acknowledge one another like that. And that, yeah, that, that, that it is being shared exactly that people are so willing to share because for the most part, like no one's making... No one's making money just from Instagram. Yeah. You know, like you might get some free items or something, but for the most part, it's just doing it for the love. I guess as well, there's people who maybe don't have a massive community in their hometown. Like it might just be them. So it means that they can connect with all these people all over the world and like share what they love. Totally. Yeah. And I really noticed that. I mean, I've been very fortunate, but also kind of crazy enough to just book in for these conventions sometimes like a year ahead. Like my first convention, I just booked in a year ahead and I forgot about it. And then it was like three months, bef- three weeks before. And I was like, hang on, didn't I have like a hula hoop convention booked in Bali? <laughs> and I was like, what the? And I like looked it up and I was like, I'm totally supposed to be in Bali in like three weeks. Um, <laughs> so, I, you know, I ended up going and... Yeah, but I guess I've been fortunate and that I've been able to like go to a lot of these events. And now even more fortunate that I get to teach at a bunch of different conventions and that's just epic. But I have encountered some people that are, you know, were hooping for seven years and have never ever met another hula hooper. And have just been like for whatever reason, like some social anxiety or for um you know, just not really knowing that there was like this whole other world just hooped in their backyard for seven years. And then they were at this convention and being like, 
oh my god, there's this whole world. I found my people. Yeah, totally, totally. And it really is like, you know, I've got a lot of really amazing people that I know who are like code coders, IT developers. And um, when I see those people get together, there is just such an excitement behind being able to talk your language, you know? And I really feel like hooping is this, it's not just a niche, but there's like this, you know, the, the whole conversation around the detail of like tubing and sizing and, and moves and like this whole language that's just come up out of nothing. It's just feels like, it feels so nice to just, get with another hooper and talk like polypro versus just geek H- out with your just people just geek out and like talk about like you know 7-8 tubing 5-8 tubing like you know like the response time on polypro and like you know and, and, it, and it's like I don't even know that I miss it yeah until like <laughs> I've like connected back in with the community are there any kind of key teachers or influences from your early years or today mm. uh, Bunny Hoopstar was my first teacher and it was like perfect because um I was first when I first was like, okay, I'm going to learn how to hula hoop. And I was like, I wonder if there's any hula hooping in Sydney. And I looked up online like beginners hula hoop. And there was a class starting in like 10 days, two minute walk from my house Meant to be in Alexandria. Totally. And I was like, book now done. Um, and I think I did that course like twice. And even in that first course, I was so taken that like it was a room full of women. And I mean, that's also has to be said, like, I think probably part of like why I love hooping so much is it's a predominantly like there's predominantly women who are hula hooping and like, you know, there's like all genders that are hula hooping. But what my experience has been generally that I've had amazing women and supportive women that are part of that, those classes or, and so it's really kind of opened up this whole like access to women that I didn't have before, you know, that's changed around for me. And so that was kind of my first class. And then I actually, for a lot of stuff, like I was so obsessed, I would go to Bunny's classes and then I'd go into the park afterwards in summer and I'd just hoop for another hour and like practice the hoop, the, the moves we just learned. And like, if I was like, oh, I'm bored of that move or something, I would watch a move like six or seven times on YouTube then I'd go to the park. I don't know why I just didn't take my laptop, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I was not as techy as what I am now. I'd go to the park and then just do that move for two hours straight until I got it. And so a, a lot of like the early stuff, aside from my beginner, beginner, foundational stuff, I learned from YouTube. And then from being frustrated that I couldn't make it look as angry or I, I couldn't get my anger out as much as I wanted with some of these moves that were quite soft and flowy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, like I want it to be like funky and like choppy and changey and I want to punctuate the beat, you know? And so I just started making stuff up because I didn't know how else, you know, with the really simple stuff like the bounces and the pushes and the pulls. So I think from quite very early on, like I knew what I wanted to get out. Like I knew what I wanted to say with a hoop, but I didn't know how. So the frustration of that led me to make up all this like really cool style. Yeah, which, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think of it as that at the time. I was just like, oh, the, you know, I'll just do it like that. And then I can make that kind of sharp movement or something. I also looked at like, um, like Emma Kenner's videos early on and Lisa Lottie as well was this video of her uh, busking in. Uh, I think London or something and I was like oh, like oh my god I'll never I'll never meet her and I'll never be that good but I'll just try you know and then like now she lives in Melbourne <laughs> and I hung out with her the other day you know and it, and I just like 
you know, and she's just so real. She's just so, she's just another amazing, wonderful person that works hard and to share. And I, I remember like I, I shared that that video inspired me. It was like one of my original inspirations to start hooping. And she was like, oh, that video? <laughs> I mean, like, she didn't even like it, you know? Yeah. And, and I was like, immediately, I'm like, oh, I get it. Because someone said to me in Sydney when I last taught a workshop, oh, Helly, this like Electric Forest audition video <laughs> inspired me to start hula hooping. And I was like, that video? <laughs> I'm like, it's so like, I was like, but it's cheesy. And it, I wasn't even doing much, you know, I just kind of was like, you know, I'm kind of a bit embarrassed by it now, you know, it was so much to me now. I'm like, oh, but it's simple. But that's like the joy of the internet. You know, you just don't know what you're creating and how it's impacting people and what, what inspiration people are drawing from it. Cause it's just, it's just like up there for debate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like stuff from years ago is still up there totally, floating around. Totally. And it doesn't matter what your relationship to it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can't take it back now. <laughs> no, totally, you know? And it's it's kind of like that that experience of seeing like your high school artwork on your wall and your mum's like, oh, it's so beautiful. And you're like, it's ugly. And, you know, I made it when I was angsty, you know? Like yeah. you can have it, you know? Um, yeah, which is, it's it's funny. But, but yeah. Yeah, like so those were some of my like earliest inspirations and I also just want to add like what I love love about hooping is that you can have these inspirations that you just love you aspire to they're your rock stars and then you get to go to a convention or you get to write to them or you get to meet these people and not only that you get to jam with them and yeah, then, totally and then they like your stuff you're like yeah. what's that little thing you're doing and you're like oh, Babs Robinson <laughs> she just asked me what I just did there and I'm like is, is this real life yeah yeah like hooping's really unique like that like because mm. yoga people are lovely as well but the kind of global superstars you don't really get to connect to even mm. if you go to one of their workshops they'll be up the front and you might kind of come up and say hi afterwards but hooping everyone is so friendly yeah totally right on um and i feel like you know because it is such a new and emerging art form i feel like that there is just so much open discourse and like you say you know like th th there's a real like that's the teacher and these are the students like we're yeah. really here to learn from that person and while that is the case with hooping like there's also just jam where everyone teaches everyone and i think that that's yeah, that the, cross pollination totally and that the, that's the cool thing about you know you can walk in as a total beginner and you could have developed something kind of like i did being frustrated and i didn't know how to do it you could have developed something that's impressive to someone who's been hooping for 15 years you know, or 20 years who've never seen it. Like I remember Anna Hoopalicious being like, yeah, sick, Helly. And I'm like, <gasps> but I'm so new. What could I know? A yeah. wise one. <laughs> you know, and like totally there's cross-pollination. That is why I think that it's, it's so healthy and dynamic and changing. And it's so cool to be a part of it because it's not static, you know. And I, re I reckon that they're, who knows what the future will look like. Maybe there'll be like streams of more defined, much like yoga's become this multi-layered, you know, multi-institutionalized, different forms. I'm sure that hooping maybe in the next hundred years will look something like that. And that who knows what people will think about the people now as like the pioneers of this movement or something, you know? Because the other cool thing is, is like when I'm creating something and I know that I've 
created something really cool and techy that I've never seen before with like four hoops or something. I'm like, I could be the only human being ever to have lived to create and be experiencing this movement. Yeah, with that's this amazing. It's, it's amazing, you know? And because I, I, I think about like ancient cultures, I'm like, well, maybe they had hula hoops, but like, you know, like, you know, am I like literally creating this for the first time, you know? And yeah, that's a really epic thought to me. And I guess it's great. <laughs> Because it's happening now, it's all documented. Like, you can look, totally. look back at that evolution and totally. see how things change. Totally. Like, oh, when those two people met each other, then both of them started doing these different things. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's very cool like that. And it's for me also, Instagram and, and social media for me is a documentation of my own process. And, you know, it can be, can be called lots of things. I can go, oh, it's a great portfolio. You know, I like to share it. But um, I have this like much, much deeper sense of recording my own joy and movement for my own posterity. So that, like, I don't know if it's like from this like ridiculous fear of like suddenly waking up tomorrow and having dementia or like, or, or, or like, you know, this like whatever that looks like, decay or injury or something. I like, I, I've always felt like this like real overpowering need to do what I can in, in the full freedom and expression of my body while I have this like moving, wonderful body and to recognize my own attempt at that expression of freedom. So in a way, it's kind of like Instagram's this really easy way that I can just scroll through and just see my own documentation. And it's cool because other people get to see it, but it's, it's, it's been less, like it's wavered, but it's been less from quick, share it, share it quick because I, I need this validation and more like, cool, this is what I'm up to and I want to share it, and but this is what I'm up to. Yeah. I wonder if it's even something that's come out of your fine art background and process where it was always like keep a visual diary and, you know, you produce work for people to see. Whereas if you were just hooping in your lounge room, you would get to feel it. But it's not that sense of making art totally. for other people to see and think about. Absolutely. And that is a really great point because I think because there's no guidebook to social media, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of confusion about what it is. And, uh, and, and I don't mean just as a general, I mean like each person conceives of it so differently. And so I think that really it's so important to define what it is for you. Because like you said, I've got a background in art, so I love producing art, you know, that's well-framed, that's beautiful, that's like skillful, whatever it is that I wanna create, and it's for other people. And it is for me as well, but it is very much generating this thing for other people to see the process. And that is totally not going to be a thing for everyone. And that some people are just going to want a hula hoop for themselves and the feeling and never be seen. And that is completely perfect. And what I found really unnerving, and I've had a few conversations around this with some of the older school hula hoopers, is that I'm meeting girls now who have never hula hooped without filming themselves. Wow. That yep. sounds disturbing. Yeah. Like... Yep. It's, it's a thing, like, especially, um, like, overseas. There's, it's, like, people who were setting up cameras to film themselves hooping and just kind of mentioned in passing that they've never, ever picked up a hula hoop without filming themselves because that's what they see on the internet. They see hula hoopers and they make videos. So if you're a hula hooper, you have to make videos. You just film yourself doing it. And, like, that connector for me is, like, oh, you know, it... 
it that there's something that creates a pressure and what i've seen in even people that are kind of becoming insta famous or well known or whatever that looks like or feels like is this self-generated pressure that they need to keep up you know this like oh my god i'm injured i feel terrible i didn't release a video this week you know to my fans like i'm i'm still here and i you know i feel bad and down and this like whole relationship to generating content that's pressure and obligatory like uh, like an obligation and um you know and it it, it, it it that for me is like and also just being like on social media all the time and for me personally i don't scroll i don't actually look at pretty much anyone else's social media because i'm generating content and that for me is my interaction with social media so that i can go back and like maybe i can like talk to people on the messaging part of the um, websites or apps, but for the most part, I don't scroll. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that that sounds funny because I'm like, okay, well maybe no one else wants to look at your stuff. You're creating a, like a, a thing that is that hypocritical. You're kind of like, nah, I don't want to scroll, but I want to generate this content and I want people to see it. And then I was like, no, that still feels more important for me to, for me, have that as a basis. Like other people can do what they want. This is what I'm generating, but I'm not going to scroll. This is what I use this media for. Mm. for yes. my voice out there. Yes. Yeah. 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 And like, if people want to watch, that's cool. Because I also want to create good content that's worth sharing. Yeah. You want to put stuff out that you feel good about. Totally. But I do think that social media is this wacky world where we're still figuring out what it is. And because like, you know, like YouTube had a bit more, it was a little bit slower. You know, you have mm. a full length video, you upload it. The, and the upload takes a couple of hours. Takes a couple of yeah. hours, yeah. And um, it's like a slightly different community to something that's like happening right now. And that's really exciting. But it's I've also seen people be really like weary, you know. And um, I created a video with Simon Photography in the bush and it was really exciting and I edited it and I spent like four days, you know. That was a really beautiful video. Thank you. Yeah. I really wanted to create something we'll cool. We'll put a link on that. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. And, like we just wanted to create something really awesome and like as a kind of like show reel, you know, and this um, video came about and um, afterwards, like it got like, like 35 K views. And afterwards I was so weary from interacting with people from like watching it kind of grow like a baby. Um, that I just kind of like took a break from social media for a couple of weeks because I just felt like I was in this crazy casino almost, you know, where you, where time goes by and like, but you're on this, you're in this little, like, you know, this like video game. And then just when I start, when I started having these conversations with people, I started to relate to it differently and just think of it as a video game, you know, where I've got a little avatar and it's a video (laughs) game. And like, so that kind of it made me laugh at my relationship to getting likes and getting shares because the other DSL to that is <laughs> there was another video release that was kind of similar to mine um, the day before my video. Crazy oh, how these things yeah. can just happen. They're really similar. Someone from the other side of the planet, she was in the forest too. And yeah, I'm going to admit this. Her video got like 70,000 views. I had to, there was a moment that evening or that a couple of evenings later where I was hanging out with my housemates and I had to leave the room because I was, I had to go and cry because I was so upset that my video got 35,000 views and not 70,000. And I made that mean, I'm not thin enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not good enough and I'll never be good enough. So why am I even bothering? Like, and I was like, whoa, Mm. 
that was some old pattern thinking that just came up. And then I just talked about it and people were like, Helen, you're insane. Like 35,000 views is a lot. And I'm like, yeah, but that's the, that's, that's the, like, if you want to go down that path of like, I'm not good enough and comparison, it's so easy to do that. And, and cause I thought that getting heaps and heaps of views on my videos, I would feel different. Yeah, totally. Like, I've made it. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I thought, you know, I thought I would just feel really great about myself, you know? And I, I just, I just want to be, you know, if, if I have viral videos and I'm famous on the internet, I'll feel loved and great. And I'm like, just laughing at myself. I'm like, that doesn't work. It doesn't work. You know, I can have a million views and I could still feel terrible about myself. And even in the success and the beautiful reception of that video people loving it i still made it mean i'm not good enough you can use social media social media for anything i've used it as a tool to really point out the flaws in my own esteem and like you know to hold up a mirror to yourself yes to hold up a mirror where i'm like well you know that's so you see the absurdity of that helen and i'm like yeah (laughs) yeah totally you know and now i can laugh about it and joke about it and like in the process of that came to terms with oh i'm lovable actually you know, I can focus more on like actual relationships and now I'm forming relationships with men that are like actually in real time and not on the internet. And, you know, and that feels really lovely and loving. And also, and it was like, I had to go through this whole process to realize like the absurdity of what I was trying to get out of social media. It's crazy hey, how you can know this and know that, you know, your love for yourself has to come from within rather than external validation. It's like, whoa, how many times do I have to learn that lesson? I thought I like got that. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, and that also has been a really great way for me to really question what I'm about and really question what I'm trying to do with the the videos. Cause I was like, I just want to make something cool. And then what I actually, what I actually, like the undertone of that was love me, you know, (laughs) like I want to make something so amazing that you can't not love me and you'll just share it and everyone will look at it. And I'm like, and, and then, and then everyone will look at it and and I'll feel appreciated. And, 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 and and when I'll feel appreciated, I'll I'll feel connected. And when I feel connected, I'll, I'll, I'll feel not so alone, you know? And it's, it's like, oh, it comes back to this like really basic, oh, I just want to be loved or like, I just want to feel connected and look at that and then acknowledge it for what it is and then just generate that feeling anyway. It's not, I also want to say like, it's not inherently that any of these things like creating videos or performing, it's not that that is just inherently cry for attention or good or bad or whatever. It's just that I think it's really important to be mindful of the real tone of why you're doing what you're doing and to come from because I can do all of those things and still come from a wholesome place of feeling loved and lovable but I didn't really think I didn't make that connection for the first few years of hula hooping you know like I really felt like that was as good as it was gonna get and that no one will ever love me but I'll just try and I'll just do this hooping thing and then you know, so I still now want to perform and create content, but it's, it's, it hasn't got like the sharpness of like, I, and this needs to be really great. So I feel good about myself as a, like a little hit. And as a consequence, I think I'm a better performer and I'm much better at doing circus gigs with children because I fully drop into that playfulness and the joy that like absolutely unbridled joy. Like I did yesterday at uh, tulip festival, um, of just playing and, yeah, so that's, I guess it's always, it's also been like a tool of transformation to pursue something like this. Yeah. And I guess it's all like, it's a universal human need to 
receive and give love and have connections that are meaningful with other people. So it's kind of amazing that you found a way that you can tap into that and you can share it. Yeah. It's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. It's pretty funny because I, I laughed a lot actually when I realized that I thought I could substitute human contact for the internet. I was like, humans are hard, they're scary, they're intimidating. I'll just, I'll just substitute it like stevia for sugar. <laughs> you know, you know, I'll, I'll feel loved through my online following. And I'm like, it <laughs> doesn't work. It totally doesn't work. Yeah, it's been a really cool, cool learning. And like still learning now, you know. And it's also interesting that like, it's changing for me in that like the heat of this absolute need because that was the only way that I felt like I could connect with people and that really drove this like desire to get better and get better. Now I'm better. Now I'm really good at it. And so that the that like crazed fire has changed to one of like not dampened but like it's settled. And so now I've got to generate and understand that like it's great as an ongoing practice and work. You know, like it's it's like working my love mm. for this for this art form instead of just being driven by this inner craze. Yeah. So something that you kind of dipped into a little bit, working with kids and clowning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So last year, the beginning of that story is I was hosting the Swoop uh, performance night um, in the UK a few years ago. And I was just in my element, you know, I was just wearing this like jester outfit. It was ridiculous. Um, I was making fun of the audience and it, it was like the best emceeing I've ever done. And afterwards I had a couple of different people from across Europe come up to me and be like, what are you doing? You should be clowning. And I performed as a hula hooper the next night, hated my performance. Ah. I, yeah. Cried. I was tired. I'd been teaching and you know, I, I thought it was terrible. It wasn't in the end, but it was, I thought it was awful. And so out of that, I was like, wow, you know, like, People were like, your hooping was pretty good, but you're, you know, you're clowning. And I was like, what? Um, and so then I went to clown school for full time last year in Melbourne. Um, and we studied all different kinds of theatre, which was a huge challenge for me because I've never done anything like that. Aside from like being the lead in the school musical for the last two years of high school. Um, and but then I hadn't touched anything dramatic kind of like that for a while. I went really into my own shell for a few years. And then like hooping was just the very beginning of that performative kind of quality, I guess, again. So it was I, I talked. So I, I got in. I was really excited. I talked myself out of it. I was like, it's too much money. You know what? I'm not an actor. There's going to be really, you know, actors there. And I don't get along with actors. You know, I, I had that fear of like that kind of audition room where everyone's like looking at each other sideways and you're in competition. And I was like, you know, I've, I've, it's just not for me. And so over the next couple of months, I talked myself out of it. But the people that I told when I was really excited about it held me accountable. Ah, nice. Yeah. <laughs> my good friend Alyssa, my mum, my housemate at the time, all of these people... When I was like, oh, like, I'm, I'm just not going to do it. Like, it's too much money. We're like, what are you doing? No, you were ex- weren't you excited about this? And I was like, yeah, you know, I was excited. But like, you know, I think it's just going to be too hard. It's not for me. And they were all, well, no, that's not, no. Just do it. The money will work out. Ask for a payment plan if you want. Just make it work. And I was like, oh. And they were like, you don't even know what's going to come out of it. Like, you, you don't even know the opportunities and the friendships and the connections you're going to create in this amazing course over this period of months. 
you don't even know what you're going to create or miss out on. And I was also like, but I haven't committed to anything since university. Even university was more like crazy, you know, it was afternoon hours. No, I'm like, this is five days a week. Full-time clown school. Full-time, you know, it's serious. You know, you get up, you go, and then you do six hours a day of physical theatre and improvised, you know? So you have to be on all the time, which you can't be. And then those are the days where you, like, stand in front of people bawling because, you know, it's crushing to be feeling humiliated and terrible at a you know, whatever. And so I went and I did it. And it was some of the funniest, some of the most fun, some of the most, the hardest stuff I've done since activism stuff. And so confronting. And just the teacher, John Bolton, was just outstanding. I think he's a genius. And, you know, there were so many different kinds of people. There were some actors, there were some comedians, like stand-up comics. There were people who came from New Zealand. A lot of who were already working as like buskers, like uh, like comedy buskers. And we also had like just all these different kinds of people. Like I think there was a, a therapist was there just doing it like for, you know, whatever, um, for that development. And, you know, it was just, it was this amazing, humble, intelligent group of people that I felt, you know, you, you get, I got to know and I, got, I felt safe enough to explore that, like the most crazed part of my personality and psyche. And you know, there were a couple of moments over four months. I probably had five standout moments where I had like the whole room laughing and it was like gold and magic. And like, and then I had this inspiration and I was just totally, it was the same. It was in flow. And then, you know, another idea and another idea. And then it was just like the whole thing was just perfect. And then for the rest of the time, it was, you're just kind of like doing an average job. And there were other times, plenty more times than five where I was totally in the shit, you know? And I was like, Oh, and then you just, I just went home sometimes for a week straight and I felt so, so terrible that I was creating this horrible work. I was embarrassed. I didn't know what I was doing. You know, you get up in front of people and it's like all of that part of the human experience was not only put to test there of your own, you know, your own metal. And, but it was, it was like aired, all of your demons kind of being like aired publicly in front of 20 other people to the point where sometimes I just like had like this total like cringeworthy breakdown you know in week 16 where I just bawled and I think I was holding a stick or something you know but ultimately the process was incredibly healing you know and as an experiment in learning but also this joyful playful you know I got to play with friends every day for, for, for four months and the outcome of that was that those parts of my personality or like you know shame or guilt or like really old trauma doesn't feel that potent anymore you know because it's kind of been in front of people which is like it's still i'm like (laughs) you know but other people it's their worst nightmare you know to get up in front of 20 people and just fail and fail and fail and that you have no out you know and and no hoop to play with, no, like, no tricks to totally, fall back on. Exactly, and it stripped away what I, what I wasn't even fully aware was my constant character. And it really like the the first four weeks of the way were just tearing away those characters that you you've already created and you run. And it was like trying to get back to like absolute like what's what's the bare naked Helen, you know? And from there, I got to observe what that felt like and be in it and then from there I've built an understanding of what character is and and it it's so it was incredibly useful to do a reset to bare bones 
Helen and like that there was a beauty and that it almost felt sacred you know to be in this like absolute you know it was almost a meditative state well I was gonna say that process of asking who am I and peeling the way the layers is totally a meditation totally absolutely and I think it also like as an outcome has helped me as a performer especially during like roving performance and like street entertainment because it's like I'm fully cognizant that I'm being a character and being accessible and I'm and it's and it's true and it's also authentic but I don't feel like I'm in the character or saying the things they don't feel alien to me I don't feel like I'm trying to be the character it's just that's that character and it's also me you know so it feels like an expression of something that is already true and that is not that far away from home for me because I never understood how and I still don't, I guess. I struggle with, like, the idea of creating a character that's so far removed from what I'm about. And maybe, like, this is a challenge for me. That it doesn't have any connection or, or truth. And so Clown School was pretty amazing in that way that it gave me that kind of access to, yeah, like, the reset, but also the ability to then create these epic, cool characters or costumes or whatever on top of that. Do you want to give us a little bit of insight into what does your practice and training and also performance week look like? Like what's an average heli week? Mm. I don't think there is one. I think it really depends on what's going on. So for instance, over winter I had like my busiest performance time ever, which was very surprising because it's cold and it's dark and you know, but I had sometimes just like gigs every day of um, big performances. And during that time, you know, if I'm doing like a two hour or like three 40 minute performance sets where I'm performing at a pretty high level LED hoops, which are a tiny bit heavier. Um, I still have this like huge creative freedom where I'm getting to express that movement and I don't, I don't make it much, very, very much smaller, you know, like I don't edit it too much. Um, which for me is the satisfaction of what I was talking about earlier. During that time, I didn't spend any time in my studio because I just didn't feel I guess inspired to but I also felt like I was I'm, I was working the movement that I enjoy yeah you probably need your energy for your performance that night exactly and like also you know I think it has changed it being paid and being paid pretty well for what I worked so hard to be paid for and I do remember there was a time like when I first moved to Melbourne I was working for like either just free tickets to places or like 20 bucks. And I was like, sweet, this is like an opportunity, you know? And then I was like starting to feel the effects of that in my body, you know, where I had to do more physio or my, my knee was playing up or one night when I made 20 bucks, I was like, that's it. I'm never working for this amount again. I declare I'm only going to leave the house for at least like a hundred bucks or, you know, I, for, for performance of this level, like no 200 bucks minimum you know, and like, that's, that's it. And I don't care, like if I miss out on anything else. And as soon as I set that, and as soon as I declared that, and I I didn't even tell that many people, I just started getting more income and more job offers that were in line with how I newly see myself, you know, and whatever you want to call that as like manifesting or like true belief or like whether those things were there anyway. And I just really called them in and I was just paying attention to them more that completely shifted so that yeah, I feel like that power of like being able to create what I'm worth and, and also, asking for what you're and worth. asking yeah. for what I'm worth. And like now what I've normalized as like a normal payment, I'm like, I want to go bigger than that. You know, I'm like, 
How, well, how much bigger can I go? Probably that was like a couple of years ago, right? That you yeah. set that first amount and you've yeah. grown as a performer since yeah, then. So. exactly. With more skill and more dedication and a real a lived sense of what it is that you know your that your time goes to like travel costumes building skill like getting the props repairing the props all of this stuff you know and a real over time that thing we said about you know in theory it's just about loving yourself but you just have to go through the experience of it and it was the same for me like I heard about these things when I first started out about valuing yourself properly um, but I didn't have as much uh, I guess real, you know, like I, I wasn't like at that point doing a gig and then like pretty much having to book in for a massage straight after a two hour gig, you know? And like, once I started developing that experience and relationship with it, I was like, Oh, this is really not worth my while if I'm only charging X, Y, Z. So the other thing I did was really just be in communication with a lot of other people about rates and like, cause as soon as I started going, okay, I want to do this properly. I'm going to talk to people and make sure I'm not undercutting. I'm going to look online, see what people are charging for like different services and really just be on par with that because I don't want to undercut people. Well, you're not helping your community. You're not helping the community. Yeah. Exactly. And, and then from there, I get to decide if I put a, a, you know, a price increase on that, which I have done. If I think that people aren't charging enough. And my friend Donna Sparks, my, my dear friend, has helped me a lot in that conversation and is so open to helping other people as well. And, you know, really encourages that open dialogue to make sure you're on par with people. And that's been really helpful because, you know, there is nowhere online where you can just, just simply turn to and go, oh, how much should I charge for this? Even now I'm still reworking prices, you know, and trying to take into account, well, what does it look like for me to charge four LED hula hoops and do that four LED gig as opposed to like my regular hoops that don't require any time, like how much time do I have to take to do it? You know, so it's really like, yeah, a long journey to really understand where, like the actual time that goes into it and pricing accordingly. And the one big thing that's helped, I just, as I just mentioned earlier, is just finding mentors, you know, and just being really upfront with like the connections you want to make with people. And yes, they are also usually turn into friendships, but you know, I just, if there's someone in town, especially who hasn't been in town for a while, I just, I make an appointment with them. I book in with them and I, I just mine their brain for uh, questions to like things that I have, I would love to know the answer to, but I, you know, you, you can't just find it online easily. What does it look like to have a cruise ship contract? Like, tell me really, you know, like what are the pros and so cons? So would you essentially book a private lesson with them and part of that lesson is talking? Sometimes, sometimes it just happens organically. Yeah, like if they know you already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah like I definitely, I have been upfront sometimes with other creators in the community where I'm like, oh, you've done this cool crowdfund campaign. I would love to talk to you about it. Can we have a coffee and then people usually say yes and then it's a great conversation so it's usually like meeting people for a coffee and then just really chatting and asking lots of questions but it's not coming from a place of I want to steal your secrets well especially if you approach them and say you've done this awesome thing can we talk about it that's not sneaky that's upfront. yeah absolutely and also I think that that's pretty much the only way to do it if you're going to be doing circus performing or teaching and you want to take it seriously because you know, it's not like there's just institutions of this information like there are for so many other um, professions. And because it is so new and it is changing you know, because you've got like all these different arms of it. If you've come from like a really 
busking performative background with a 45 minute show or if you've come from Instagram and you know from from where I came from a lot of the people that are performing at my level uh, who are in the Melbourne community who are circus Oz or whatever they've come from this very very strict trained performance background and then this will come around to probably answer your question actually about what my week looks like <laughs> my week looks completely different from week to week and I'm still trying to figure out I don't have as much guilt or like fear around trying to d- make sure I'm doing the same thing as other people you know I know that there are other hula hoopers that train more than I do and I know that I train more than other people and I know that some people work more than I do and I work more than other people. And f- from the way that I entered it as like just making it up, learning just as an adult and like going to classes and learning from YouTube and stuff is quite different to, and like being a doofel hooper, you know, it's quite different to like spending four years or 10 years doing circus training. But that's also the level that I want to be performing at, you know, so it's, it's interesting because being paid and being paid well for the skills I already have is almost disincentivizes me to really level up even more. You know, like I have to find a new reasoning because if, if my goal was to like make a living, you know, get to perform, I'm kind of there. So then for me, it's about keeping a finger in the pulse of the convention world and that part of the hoop community that's on the very forefront of like discovering these like new movements Um, because if I just put my attention and energy into like my corporate gigs or like those gigs, I wouldn't want to change. I wouldn't want to level up. I think as well, the higher you get skill wise, the harder it is to get to the next level. Like I think there's like a range of movements that are pretty transferable. But if say you're going from four hoops, which is two on each hand or, you know, two on your body and two on your hands. Like, where would the fifth hoop go? Yeah. Like, that's way harder. And it's like a really steep learning curve. And often people don't actually realise how much more challenging that is. Because they're already, like, mine's already blown by the four hoops. And the moves you do there. Totally. And that's a really great point. Because I'm, my kind of like, I guess the signature move that I kind of got to um, earlier this year, maybe it was actually last year, was like four hoops, two on each hand, and then one on the knee. And I've kind of been static there for a little while because uh, some of my best hoop friends moved away from Melbourne who would really, like, really be challenging me. And so the better that I've gotten, the less people I have to jam with and, like, bounce these huge patterns and ideas off because it's like like speaking a language that only maybe two or three other people speak or want to speak, you know, in your city. Um, it's high level hoop geekery. It's high level level hoop geekery. I know, and like that's not as fun when you do it by yourself. No, it's and also you're like, where am I going wrong with this? No one knows. No one knows because no one knows what it wants. To, you just have an idea of what you want it to look like. The last time I thought, oh, how can I improve on this? Someone was saying to me, oh, like you know, you could put a sixth hoop on your on your foot. So for me now, it's like my challenge is to like to add a sixth hoop to that five hoop trick. Um, but again, it's just like. It's not as fun, to, you, know, like, you know, to like, you know, I want to jam with other people, but it's why, how I want to jam, it looks different and now, and, and it's, it's, it's really interesting because I feel like there's so much about getting really good. Like people always want to get to a place like you want to, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm here, but I'm not like that person. I really want to get better. And this part's really terrible. And I don't really know how to do this. And like, 
And then once you like get there, it's like, I can't unlearn that skill. So there are actual experiences for me that are no longer accessible, like really getting heaps out of, you know, just like a gem where there's just like, it's just one hoop or it's really simple. And maybe that's a generalization. Maybe I'm underselling it. Maybe I would really enjoy it. But like the technicality of where I'm at, you know, it feels like sometimes like tying my shoelaces. And I know this is also ridiculous, but some of the performances I do for roving gigs, I feel like it's so simple. I almost just tune out. I tune out because my body just knows the movement and people are being blown away and I'm just chilling, you know? And it's kind of cool to get paid for that, but it's also... It's not kind of what I got into it for. Yeah, like that thrill of unlocking a new movement yeah. in your body. And sharing something that I'm deeply passionate about. And maybe that's just what it looks like to be a, a, you know, an entertainer. Some days it's just cool and you're just like chilling and you're doing all this stuff. But it's not always this epic performance. I guess sometimes when you, you can see behind the magic, it sort of it disappears a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I remember reading a memoir of a professional oboe player and when she played in Broadway shows, because, you know, those runs would go for years, that would be her time to read a new book. She'd put her book on her music stand and just play her oboe by rote and just read her book. Wow. (laughs) Amazing. I totally get it. I just tune out and I think about what I did that day. And I also, like, because of clown school and, like, you know, working more as a roving entertainer, I have these, like, go-to faces that are like, ooh, or like, oh, oh, very good. You know, it's like this, it's like this, like, hyperbolized Helen or Helly, whatever. And I go to it and people are laughing. They think it's really impressive, but I'm kind of not fully in it. You can't tell, but I know in myself when I'm really there with people and usually that just looks like actually just playing games with children. Um, or like a huge, like 10,000 person audience where I'm really, really in it, you know, but yeah, I can kind of feel like, yeah, I totally get that analogy of just like kind of such a time to read a book because she just knows it so well. If that's my biggest complaint about the work that I'm doing, it's not that bad. Well, like from an outsider, to me, it seems like this is actually where you could find the new magic in what you do, like kind of coming back to something that's so simple beyond the tricks and just really feeling into the music and the performance again without all of your tricks. Yeah, absolutely. I think as well... Finding the joy in simple movements? Yeah, finding the joy in it again and like... Because that feels honest. It feels like honest sharing instead of just a demonstration. And I don't, I don't want to demonstrate. I want to, like, I really want to perform and express. And, like, that was something that I learned in clown school. was, like, don't demonstrate an emotion. Feel the emotion and share it, but don't demonstrate. And, yeah, and that, I mean, that's just, if that different things work for different people. But I just always want to be authentic, even if I'm being a funny character or something like that or... You know, even if it's just like another gig or something, you know? Yeah. Well, I guess this leads us into something happening in your future where you do get to tap into that authenticity and connecting to people, which is your Hoops in Nicaragua project. Yeah. Yay. That's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've been selected for the Performers Without Borders tour of Nicaragua 2018. It was something that I was made aware of in the last year I guess uh, my friend Ali uh, went over and did a tour last year 
and he was one of my best hoop jam buddies actually here in Melbourne and like really miss him not being here uh, and I also had two friends uh, Shaheen and Shanice who did the India tour and, and I good friends of mine and all of these people have given me epic raving reviews of this of this tour and how challenging but very life-changing it is has has been for them anyway and I guess part of this like huge like heli hoops thing performing thing kind of got to a point where I just like you know like what I mentioned before about like you know having all these gigs 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 and I was just like it became this kind of thing where I was like it, it changed a little bit where I had all this point to prove with like the, whatever that ego character was and then like doing this work and doing this work and doing this work and like really kind of you know be, you know really noticing when I'm just furniture at a gig where I'm like in a corporate environment where people are not paying attention I'm very well paid furniture you know but like you know I that's not the stuff that feeds your soul it's not the stuff that feeds your soul when you're just kind of there and like people are kind of lazily eyed looking at you while they're drinking beer and like networking and but they don't really care you're just kind of like you know you're another light installation or whatever and that's not that's not soul feeding at all so I decided that what what's lacking you know that feeling of lack I think can be really addressed in who am I being while I'm doing these these shows and if I'm not really truly being present with people and if I'm not really truly sharing something that's authentic then there's a cost I think over time and so I applied for this this tour which is to to come together for two weeks with uh, I think it's eight performers are on my tour from all around the world and we basically create a show with all our different skills and then we decide on the workshops we're going to teach and then over the next three months we tour those workshops and that show all across like rural communities in Nicaragua and yeah it's going to be epic and so that it's going to be I guess between that that will be three month tour and then I've been quietly asked to teach at a convention in Europe and so I'll be going to Europe and then the round the world ticket was cheaper than just return flights to Nicaragua so I was gonna fly home by India so that's the plan the bulk of the tour and the real reason I'm going is to participate in this project and it even feels kind of strange to to say it because I feel like it it like I could really easily kind of I feel like I'm trying to put myself on a pedestal I'm doing this very you know, I'm doing this volunteer project that's very selfless, you know? And, like, if I'm really being honest, it doesn't... Like, I, I'm just not... It's just not coming from, like, a purely... Like, it's not coming from just this place of, like... Like, it's multifaceted, you know? Like, I really want to give and I really want to share and be in that. And, you know, it, it feels very different. It, it almost actually feels foreign, okay? that This is what I'm trying to get at where I've spent the last few years trying to promote myself, trying to work on my business, promote myself, market that, and that in my system of thinking is good. That's what I need to be doing. And to like choose to do this project that has nothing to do with me actually, it's everything to do with the children and the way that I can contribute to other people. Even that way of speaking is a little bit foreign to me at the moment because I'm still in this, I'm a performer and I do this cool stuff. What I'm excited about is that I get to put all of that aside. I get to put all of the ego heli, all of the heli hoop stuff aside and just be there with people. And that feels like a relief that I'm looking forward to because, you know, in order to like, 
you know, keep it moving, kind of keep up with whatever it is, like getting rolling gigs, it's like constant hustle. And I kind of like the hustle and it's fun, but that means I'm doing a lot of talking myself up and selling myself, you know, which I don't mind to make this money so I can go do this cool stuff, other cool stuff, you know? But if like, that's the only point, I'm making money so I can do more of the other, more of the same to talk about myself and do more of that. If there's something a little bit like, where is it going? You know, and so... It's almost um, a grind. Yeah, it's like yeah. a grind, you know, but for what end? Is it to promote Heli? Because, like, it's not just... A, it, it was never supposed to just be about me. It was about the community and what I can give back. So if I was being really honest, you know, like, it, it really... I'm excited because I don't even know what that looks like, you know? And I, and I, I know that it's going to be really healing and that I'm going to give my energy and everything that I've learned through clowning and like all these years of teaching and I'm, I'm going to give that and create something that I don't even know what it looks like you know and that is thrilling because it means that it's a change of a rhythm and a change of pace and it might actually be that I completely change my decision on what I'm doing at the moment and like really work more in a way that is much more in like community or something like that you know who knows I don't know what it's going to look like maybe you know who knows? But yeah, it's really exciting because it's a different way of speaking about something rather than I'm going over there to do this thing that promotes me, you know? Like, I'm going on tour. Yeah, I'm going on tour, you know? Like, and it's really exciting because everyone wants to see me perform, you know? It's like, it's no. It's, I'm going to be performing for like five-year-olds and like, you know, it, that's not about any any prior achievement or whatever. It's just about... They're not going to be your Instagram followers. No, they're not going to be my Instagram followers. And that is such a relief. Yeah, it's such a relief. And I just feel like, you know, I feel like it's going to be life-changing in that, like, I will... It will be quite confronting. Because whatever I haven't really looked at in terms of generating my sense of validity through other people and the way that people online follow me and the way that people like my stuff or comment on it whatever I really haven't like looked at is going to come out and be confronting with a, a total and break you know a total drop off from you know social media and getting that validation through my performances Queen Vic Night Market or whatever so that's really exciting because I haven't worked in this way where it's just purely about giving before I think for such a long period of time yeah yeah so, next chapter sounds really exciting it does doesn't it yeah and it also feels like it, it aligns a little bit more with what I really want to be about which is like community and it's you know because it was heli hoops has been a tool and a kind of like a character that's a tool and like the vehicle but it's not that wasn't the end point for me like it wasn't just about being celebrated or just pr trying to pr promote and push this character so that feels really exciting and I think I'm going to have a lot of really awesome friends out of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. And we'll put the your fundraising details in our show links Yay, as well. Awesome. Yeah. Yes, I've got a crowdfund. Yeah, yeah. totally. <laughs> yeah. If you feel like supporting me, put money in my crowdfund. <laughs> oh, network community. <laughs> so I guess we'll round it out by just asking, is there, firstly, is there anything else that you want to share? I want to share one thing, but that kind of has two parts. One of them is just do it. Just like if you're thinking about it or you're starting, anyone can do what I've done. The main, the main message that I really feel like more than anything in this path has been and still is 
you can do it. If I can do it, you can do it. And there's nothing that separates me from you. It might, we might have a different body or a different brain or like we might have different learning speeds or, you know, different interests. But I made up an idea and I kind of didn't really believe I could do it, but I just tried to do it anyway. And I like, it's like in spite of everything, in spite of thinking I was too fat or in spite of thinking that I wasn't skillful enough or in spite of thinking that like I didn't start early enough or I didn't know enough people or I just did it. And it's not just like, oh, be like me. The outcomes that I've experienced have been mind blowing, you know, but like I had no idea it was going to end up with me going to Nicaragua to do Performers Without Borders. That is an unexpected outcome of picking up a hula hoop, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? From the beginning, you know, like it, it and so you just don't know where it's going to go in, in like any direction, really. And but just like being willing to be wrong. Because I, there's one thing I've learned is that I want to be right. I dated really sh- sh- terrible choices in men for a while. So I could be like, I'm angry. They upset, they upset me. That was horrible. See, men are bad. I'm right. You know, and if you can admit that you, you're trying to pr- make yourself, prove yourself right by like, you know, whatever it is that you're doing and you're fulfilling your own prophecy of the constructs of how you see yourself. What I've been proved more than anything is wrong. I thought people were going to abuse me from creating videos. I thought I was going to cop much more trolling. I thought it was going to be much harder. I thought I was going to come up against someone who would be like, no, you can't do this. We want a prettier girl in that position. I've never encountered that ever. It was all in my head. And like, it was told to me, you know, it's not, it's not diluted. It's like everything the media and like other people have generated as this fear-based protection mechanism against the, the world but it's just not there. If you if you choose to do it, then you then it will work. And you just have to be persistent. And like persistence is more in, important than raw talent because there's an artist, John Baldessari. <laughs> John Baldessari has three things to say to young artists. And one of them is <laughs> talent is cheap. One of them is you have to be possessed, which you can't will. And the third one is you have to be in the right place at the right time. And like I, I that really influenced me because it was just like, Oh, like anyone, anyone can do this. Anyone can learn stuff, but it's like, you know, you just, how much time and energy you put into it is directly correlated to your success and your outcome and your, the, what it is that you're seen as and like what you generate for yourself. And that the second arm of that, anyone can do anything and believe in yourself is that I really saw enough value in myself to contact Mood Hoops to say, hey, I love your product. I love what you're about. Do you want to work together? Because this is what I have to offer you. And, you know, and I never thought that I would get sponsored. Like, that's just so cool. Like, it's so epic. But it's also, it was a bit cheeky, you know? And I was kind of like, oh, like, wouldn't it be cool if I, you know, I, you know at the beginning of that, I draw them a cartoon. A six, It was a 16 panels cartoon. Aww. Yeah. And I, I put, I sent them on their wall and I was like, oh, these are all the reasons you should send me all over. <laughs> you know? And I was like, oh, look, I hope they don't, they don't get offended. Or, you know, it was cheeky. I was like, do, 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 do. And out of that began this beautiful relationship of like, you know, first like discount and then like eventual sponsorship, which has been an epic kind of support 
to like you know the all the led hoops that i want to play around with and get paid for and like sustain my what i'm creating in my lifestyle and um, led hoops do not come cheap for like they do not you probably are spending thousands of dollars worth of hoops totally. in your performance absolutely i've got like probably three or three and a half grand worth of hoops now wow. yeah yeah, and I've just got a package coming over now, which is like so exciting. What? Yeah, um, but yeah, that was the just the main thing of like just be bold and really just and have humor, you know, because um, and ask for what you not just what you want, but what you need to facilitate what you're already doing. And if you're what you're already doing is awesome, and you're really trying, and you're trying to like discover something or create something cool. Businesses, people will see that and they'll support you just as you are supporting yourself, you know, and like that, that's been my understanding and like just share openly, honestly with the community because we need more honest, authentic communication and sharing much more than we need a platter of the next magazine on someone's Facebook where they, you know, the whole thing is make to design to make you feel not as good as them just like self-belief and share from that like wholesome place yeah diversity of voices in media is the antidote (laughs) to those polished ads that are just made designed to make you feel bad about yourself and buy stuff to try and fill that hole yeah this is like the change that you can create in the world yeah and you know also don't expect that to come easily like mm. I've had like nights where I like you know I'm st- stamp my foot crying and angry because like I don't feel thin enough in that video you know and, like you know the absurdity mm-hmm. and and like it took me actually years up until now where I can finally laugh that like that's my that's my thought pattern addiction is like oh I'm not thin enough you know so whatever whatever happens like now I can observe that and laugh at like when that comes up and I just remember my friend being you know what like, so, so what do you want to be, Helly? And I'm like, oh, but I just, you know, I want to be thinner. And I'm, nah, that doesn't, that I'm because that's not the same voice as like, I love myself. I love my body and I love what I'm sharing, you know? So it's like all these different voices you can indulge down any path. And I'm like, oh, so it's not really my deepest truth. But it's this like kickback, like child, like, you know, I want to be thin. And she's like, you know, well, well maybe those roles are taken. And I was like... Oh yeah! I'm like, yeah, I just gotta do me. Like, yeah, 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 like, cause that's what I'm celebrated for. So, in my mind, I'm like, but I want to be something else, and like, it doesn't honor how people see me, and like, what I what I stand for, and what I am for other people. So, yeah, like, it's just been an epic roller coaster journey so far. <laughs> totally. Like, yeah. thanks for taking us along the ride. Yeah. Totally, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Now it's time for pick of the week. And I'll start with my one, which is uh, Expanding Mind podcast with Eric Davis. And this is um, like my favorite podcast. He wrote a book many years ago called Technosis, which is sort of about the intersection between technology and religion and psychedelics. His podcast sort of follows a similar line and it's just the best thing out there. So give that a, give that a listen. Have you got any favourite episodes that people might like to start with? So many. There's one, it was actually a a year or two ago, but it was with a couple of neuroscientists who learned to become stage magicians because uh, they wanted to identify the the sort of blind spots in our psychological and neurological makeup that were exploited by um, magicians. So, yeah, some really interesting stuff going on there, and there's heaps more. So check it out. Cool. Well, my pick of the week is thejungalo.com and Justina Blakeney. And 
when we were talking about like beauty and diversity and celebrating who you are, I feel like she really does that on a design level. Her style is like vintage, lots of colours, lots of patterns, lots of plants. But she'll do things like, say, giving the history of Ikat woven fabric. It's not just taking things from another culture and putting them in your lounge room because it looks beautiful. It's actually exploring the history and the culture behind these fabrics or statues or whatever she's focusing on. And she's also all about like projects that you can do at home. So it's not just something to buy. It's something that you can create, how to look after your plants. Um, I really loved her first book, which is The New Bohemians. And she's got a new book out, which is Bringing Home Good Vibes. So just all about, I haven't read it yet, but I'm looking forward to getting it. And she is one of my highlights of my Instagram scroll. So style behind substance like it's eye candy and it's colorful and it's pretty and it's fun but it also feels like it's educational and kind of celebrating some different cultures in the world and finding your own voice through design and art that's awesome my pick of the week has been really fresh um had a this really rad woman recommend um the secret app the secret to money which is, you know, a book that came out years ago called The Secret. And it's about manifestation and just daily affirmations and like kind of like an, uh, it's like a practicing experiment of like receiving large sums of money and spending it in the app. Um, one thing that I found really difficult and that what I'm really in at the moment um, through this whole process is relating to money and feeling worth the money you know and it's it's getting easier but I'm still finding like there's some parts where I'm like oh am I worth that like can I charge that or you know and it, it feels like it's a tiny bit disempowered you know and so I'm using this app to feel more comfortable with talking about money coming from an artist background it's like the total antithesis <laughs> yeah so it's a really fun little again it's just like a little play app but you know to being comfortable with like receiving these this money and like um creating abundance and thrive mentality so that's a really cool thing i'm experimenting with at the moment yay so thanks so much helly thank you so much for sharing it's been a really great conversation thank you thanks for listening and i hope you've enjoyed this episode as always if you have any questions or suggestions feel free to reach out to us at podcast.flowartists.com or email us at podcast at flowartists.com. We are the Flow Artists Podcast on Facebook or at Flow Artists on Twitter. If you did enjoy this podcast and you'd like to hear more, please consider subscribing or leaving us a review on iTunes to help us get the word out. The theme song in this podcast is Baby Robots by Ghost Soul and used with his permission. Do yourself a favour and get his music from ghostsoul.bandcamp.com. Thanks again. Big, big love.